All right. Hi there. Welcome back to the Nicholas Comics Q&A. We finally managed to get the, the Kipster himself on here um, for a special special appearance here on the Nicholas Comics Q&A. That was Donovan's Season of the Witch, of course, one of the best all-time Halloween songs. we got more next week on uh, October Spookathon, as it happens this year. October 30th happens to be a Saturday, so Q&A is going to be right on the other spookiest day of the year, All Hallows Eve Eve ought to be pretty interesting. That said, we got Kip on. Um, so, these past few weeks, I mean, Kip's just been sharing the wackiest hot takes, like Rick and Morty's good and Husband Hotel is good, and um, my comic Veterans Day is, is kind of racist, so um, we'll start off with your points about, like, Veterans Day, because... I mean, that's that's the most interesting stuff. Um, go ahead and explain how you believe my comic Veterans Day is racist. I don't believe when you drew this you had any intention of portraying it as racist. You've made the point several times that this was, uh, this was on the side of Vietnam and their people. But the way you draw the character, the way you draw these characters very crude... It comes off as a racist caricature. The... Well, I mean, first off, you should know that Veterans Day is not drawn in my typical style, the style of college buddies and Herman the Hitchhiker. It's drawn more in the style of dog-like, with a lot more shading, a lot more texture to everything. And, of course, um, in this, I, I suppose you could call it a phase of my career where I was trying to go in a darker, darker direction. Um, all the dog-liker, of course, which is a very dark comic. But um, in this phase, I, I kind of drew my stick people with kind of um, arms and legs, and I gave them full bodies, and kind of like that. Um, I, I really don't think it matters if, if I intended to make the comic racist or not. The, the fact of the matter is that I've, I've seen anti-Asian, you know, books and representation stuff. I've, I've actually read a uh, pamphlet that was given out by the U.S. government during World War II uh, called How to Spot a Jap. And this is a very racist book because it, it implies that, for instance, um, Japanese people don't know how to distinguish between the letters R and L, which, like, of course, they do. You, you can learn phonetic sounds of any language, provided you have the same vocal cords, which, of course, they do. Um, so, I mean, obviously, if people went by this book, they, they would have lost World War II because they had these crazy these stupidly ineffective methods of determining who is Chinese and who is Japanese and like that. Even in World War II, when we were really racist to the Japanese, and we had some really, like, stupid stereotypes and offensive depictions of them, we at least understood that, like, the Chinese were our friends, because, you know, um, Asia, believe it or not, is not the same country. It's a giant, massive continent with, like, it's like the biggest continent, so, like, you have the most diversity. Um... And, like, even, even like, between the countries, a Chinese stereotype and a Japanese stereotype is very different. Uh, and same goes for a Vietnamese stereotype, obviously. The Japanese one is the glasses and buck teeth. And if you notice about my comic, I don't give my characters glasses and buck teeth because they're not even in Japan. They're in Vietnam. But like, if if I did set a comic in, Viet, in, in Japan, which I wouldn't because a lot of comics are set in Japan. I think that's boring sell your comics in the same country, but if I were to, I, I wouldn't give the characters buck teeth and glasses, because physiologically, 
the people of the Asian continent don't all have the same type of teeth. Like, that's absurd. Um, but different shaped eyes are a physiological characteristic of Asia, I'd say. So I don't think that's too offensive. I mean, you look at plenty of, you look at plenty of stuff, the drama with the, with the squinty eyes. And, um, you know, I mean, I think what it boiled down to is that the, the, the South Vietnamese fellow was on here was like, why don't you give them normal eyes with pupils? And he just didn't seem to understand that I don't give characters pupils because it looks stupid. You still there? Hello? Yeah. Yeah. Uh -huh. oh, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm. So, like, I, I think you, you don't really understand how, like, South Vietnamese defector whose interests are in bad-mouthing modern-day Vietnam, which, of course, won the war, North Vietnam did, motives are in, in bad-mouthing a comic which paints America as the villain and, and North Vietnam as the good guy. Because that's not a perspective you hear that much here in America, because we tend to, you know, soften things up. I, when I was in, like, I, I think it was, like, I think it was about 10th grade or somewhere around there, this book called The Things They Carried, and it was by this guy who, I forget his name, but he's a serious fraud. And I've never liked Vietnam War stories because I just think it's so stupid to have this story where all the characters are these, like, spineless cowards who just do what the government tells them regardless of, like, ethics or anything. Um, but it was a really well-written book, and I was really enjoying it because the main character has the same name as the author. And I thought, oh, this is like a, a nonfiction memoir. But then I just found out that he made all this shit up because when he was, like, five or something, he wrote this this story called Timmy of the Little League where he became, like, a major league baseball hero and went on to, like, score all these victories and shit. And he thinks that's how you write a book. You just make up stories about yourself and name the main character after your own name and nobody will be pissed when they find out that you've just been lying to them for, like, an hour. Apparently, I mean, I don't even know if this guy was old enough to be in Vietnam, but, like, it's just a really scummy tactic, and it goes to show the kind of shit that comes out about Vietnam, like, well, they didn't want to be there, but they, they, but they had to be there because the government told them to, or like, well, we did the best we could, like, I know we weren't there for all the right reasons, but, but we, we tried at least, you know, I don't go with, I don't go with that in my comic, I'm just like, yeah, the Americans getting his, getting his balls chopped off by this vengeful Vietnamese phantom who's, like, sick of his bullshit. And that's a bold new direction to take. Obviously, it'll be very controversial outside Vietnam. But, you know, I, I think to, to, to go with, like, the racist angle, it's clearly just trying to say, like, don't buy this comic because I don't like it because I don't like communism. That's all it is. Like, it's I, I not don't, a racist comic. I don't believe that was Law's intention. I think they just they were just going by simply looking at it and thought, oh, this looks racist. I mean, I suppose maybe maybe they don't understand context, like the fact that, like, rice farming hats actually exist, or that, like, in the comic itself, I give the Vietnamese characters just as much diversity and different features as the American characters, you know, because, I mean... Not all the same, but I do give them squinty eyes because that's that's an Asian, you know, physiological characteristic that applies to most Asian people. The same way that if I was to draw a black character, I'd I'd shade in their face. I wouldn't give them giant lips or anything. I'd just shade in their face because a, a black character is going to have a darker complexion. Uh, so with Asian characters, I just give, I just take the dot 
and I just rotate it at a little angle, you know? It's the same thing. Um, just, just a little different to say, oh, this characterization. It's not racist because I don't give them buck teeth or anything. And they are rice farmers. Like, if they were, if they were in urban Saigon, if they were in the middle of Saigon, I'd, I wouldn't give them rice farming hats because they're not farming rice. They're going to the office or whatever. But um, within the context of the comic, which if you read the comic, you'll get that, it, like, these people would be farming rice. And also, I like how I like how Law just assumes that the that the language is, is supposed to be Vietnam. Like, I don't know what Vietnamese looks like. It's a recognizable language, you know. It has all those like Dutch influences and the little accents and stuff. But also, you know, unlike Japanese and Chinese, it uses Latin characters. So, like to to look at that to look at that magic type language and go, that's supposed to be Vietnamese. It's just very presumptuous and like. And then when I say, no, it's not supposed to be Vietnamese, the Warren's like, well, uh, you're backtracking and you're just saying that it wasn't supposed to be Vietnamese. Because when you, when you drew the comic, it was, like, assuming what, what I meant in my, for my comic. Like, how stupid is this? There's, there's plenty of mangas and animes where the main characters have magical powers, so I have no idea why they're so offended by like a comic where some Asian characters have magical powers. I'm not saying everyone in Vietnam has magical powers. Just this small little rural group, you know? Like how's how's that racist? Like it, it's it's just not. I mean, I guess if you just look at a picture of a comic, you could think it's racist. You you could probably look at like panel of watchmen like where the comedian is killing all these Vietnamese people, and you might you might go, oh, Watchmen's racist. It kind of is, you know, because it's written by a British guy. But that's besides the point. Context actually matters, and if something isn't racist, it's just not racist, and there's no need to get offended by it. Like it, it's not a racist. It's very pro-Vietnam. And when I sent those cover letters off to the Vietnamese comic publishing agencies, the ones that are actually you know, in Vietnam, which is the country that's in question here, I, I made sure to include the main Vietnamese guy with the little rice farming hat and the squinty eyes at the bottom of the letter because I knew that they really wouldn't be offended by it. They just think, oh, he's a rice farmer guy. Um, you know, because not not no one in Vietnam feels the need to, to dis like comics about Vietnam. It's just a country. Have you and, got and any, also, uh, like, I... I was going to ask if, if they, uh, if they uh, answered your letter back yet. Oh, not yet, but it is trans-Pacific, so I assume it'll take a while. Also because, of course, you have to work out the whole translation thing. Um, so, like... Now, I, I just don't see how, I just don't see how making this comic had to be, ra like, whether I intended for it to look racist or not is, is ultimately relevant. Like, I knew it wouldn't look racist to anyone who's sane and reads the comic, but, um, you know, they got me into some kind of weird double bind where I'm like, why don't you read the comic? Then you realize it's not racist. And then they're like, well, I don't buy racist comics, so I'm not going to buy it and read it. And, uh, you know, I mean... I, I don't see why I should take this this perspective seriously, because South Vietnamese, so like, they lost the war, so they're upset about that, obviously, because when you lose a war, it, it's not always 
satisfying to see a comic which portrays you as the good guy and the one who should have won and whatever. But the fact of the matter is South Vietnam lost the conflict and North Vietnam is now a sovereign nation that's communist. And eventually people will need to come to terms with that and cope with it and stop being little babies about it. But I guess we're not at that stage yet. Um, They're like neo-Confederates. Yeah, exactly. They're like neo-Confederates or, you know, the bitter losers of any war. Uh, the difference, of course, being that, like, this moron seemed to think that for some reason the Vietnam War was just like a civil war. It wasn't a proxy war between two giant superpowers, China and the U.S., um, controlling either side is kind of like puppets, you know. They were just like, well, it was a civil war, and, like, there was no outside influence at all, which it absolutely was not a, a civil war in the in the standard definition of the term. Like, sure, there was South Vietnam, but that wasn't real Vietnam. That was just a thing the United States set up. And, you know, I'm not going to say China's any better for, say, manipulating North Vietnam, but I think, ultimately, the leader of North Vietnam made choice to convert to communism on his own no i i mean north vietnam is vietnam and south vietnam is like not real vietnam it's just a, a thing that the united states made to say like hey we're gonna invade and we're gonna take over your country and we're gonna be, make everyone these crazy crazy you know westernized capitalists like we did to japan and vietnam isn't gonna have any of that so they they run us the fuck out i think that's ultimately for the best because i mean it's imperialism, and imperialism's bad at the end of the day. Like, why would you support the, the South Vietnamese in this conflict? It just seems like a ludicrous option. I mean, it's just wild. Whenever I say, like, Vietnam, this morning would be like, well, there were two sides, so which Vietnam do you actually mean? I'm like, real Vietnam. You know, the Vietnam that represents the interests of the, of the people of sovereign, independent Vietnam, not like this weird capitalist Taiwan-Hong Kong hybrid that's hanging down on the bottom here and has no chance, because it, it's not, it's not that, it's, it's just like, and the same thing when I say Ireland, you know, there there's a group of British nationalists on here a, a while back were like, well, what do you mean when you say Ireland? Do you mean the Republic of Ireland, or do you mean the little bit that's, like, owned by the British, Northern Ireland, like, I mean real Ireland, like the Ireland that's actually controlled and owned by the Irish, not the not the puppet state Britain's got set up. I think it's really important to like determine, you know, distinguish between like an actual country that has its like own, you know, can like run itself and like a country that's just a fake country that another country makes up on its behalf, like that's just crazy to me that people can't recognize what's obviously a puppet state this day and age. I mean, there are different degrees of it. Like, I wouldn't argue that Canada isn't a country. It is a country. It's a puppet state of Britain, but it's still, like, its own thing, you know, obviously, because it's way different from Britain. But, like, in terms of, like, Vietnam and Ireland, I think it's very obvious that the Republic of Ireland is real Ireland. North Vietnam is real Vietnam. Like, it's not hard to figure this stuff out. Like, Anyway, I guess I guess some some people just miss out on the nuances of the Vietnam War, despite it being like one of the most important uh, historical conflicts in American history. And then this morning they were like, "Well, you're a traitor to America, aren't you? You filthy!" P and it's like, 
I live in America, which, which has free speech, so I, I can choose not to support my country in a war if I want to. Um, you know, like, I can. Uh, and in, in Vietnam, I absolutely do not condone what went on there. And, and the extent to which this fellow is just trying to get me to, like, admit that for some reason I was wrong or something, it's wild. It's obviously that they have a motive and they're trying to discredit this comic that gives... A, a North Vietnamese perspective on things, and also I don't think I'm not allowed to write about this this war since America was a key player in it. I'm American, no, so I I get to I get to draw and write a comic about. Like if I was from Zimbabwe or something, I'd totally get it. But I, I am American, and it is a part of American history as well as Vietnamese history. So there's that. Like what? What are your thoughts on that? Like, oh no, you made your case pretty, uh, pretty well articulated. Yeah, see, I just lot. think you you don't really get the, the Vietnam War. You also claim that like life in the '60s in the United States was for some reason better than life in the '60s in the Soviet Union. Um, would you care to elaborate on that point? I was just saying I don't agree with the Soviet Union system of government. I mean, they they had, uh, in some ways, they were actually uh, pretty advanced in terms of where the United States was going. I think, you know, the space race is a good example. They put a dog up there before we did. They put a man up there. They did most of the things first in the space race, but we beat them to the moon. So that's usually why, you know, the United States is labeled as the winner of that. When it wasn't really, uh, wasn't really much of a race. It was more like a dick measuring contest between two superpowers. No, no, I don't. Um, now, most of the problem is I just don't agree with communism, the ideology. Right, but like as far as the standard of living goes, do you do you, do you think living in the Soviet Union in the '60s would be worse than living in the in the United States in the '60s? Mm, maybe not. I mean, you know, they did uh, they did turn uh, the uh, they did turn Russia from an agrarian country to a superpower in just a matter of decades made it heavily industrial. Right, right, there's that. You also seem to look at a photo of the Kent State Massacre and go, oh, this is just, like, a singular event that goes on in in the context of a flawed democracy rather than, like, oh, we're just as authoritarian as them, except over there you can't say you like capitalism, and over here you can't say you like communism. McCarthyism is, it isn't flawed democracy, it's authoritarianism. Like, McCarthy was a crazy man, and his system of, of running America was not reliable, and, you know, really went against every American principle in the book. So I would say that in the Cold War in general, living in the Soviet Union would be just, just the same as living in the United States, except you don't buy things, you go to the you go to the rice deposit or whatever and get from the rice deposit but like it's it's the same overall like both countries had decent standards of living like we're not talking biafra or like a war zone here we're just talking a very stable country that drags on monotonously and never sees that much change um the most of the 50s and 60s and like that and you know i mean i can't i really can't imagine 
living in the Soviet Union be that much worse. It it's a little colder, but like overall, it, it's the same. You, you you live in a super state that that suppresses your freedom of speech. That was a thing in the fifties. You you couldn't come out and say, "Hey, I'm a communist," or you lose your job. I assume that's just what happens in the Soviet Union. They don't assassinate everyone who's who's an undercover capitalist. They just you just disenfranchise them, and then you spend your life out in rags on the street. Same thing. Well, if you, if you go back into the conversation, he, did say that American government has yeah. done authoritarian things throughout history, that it does it now. I was saying that in a democratic system, it's more flexible to change, and you have uh, more rights that are recognized, whereas in a, a totalitarian system, it's you have a one-party state that from that rules from above, and you can't change the government as easily. You don't have as many uprisings. Well, but I mean, communism is based on uprisings, and during the Soviet Union's, you know, term, figured that all the uprisings were done because that's how communism works. The proletariat has one big uprising against the bourgeoisie, and then, and then from there on out, it's it's a it's a communist haven, you know. And yeah, but they for they them, didn't. Of course, the bourgeoisie were were the Tsar and, and the and the and the monarchy and all that. So I I think they really didn't think change was necessary because they were already living in the in the glorious communist afterstate or whatever. Um, no, the the thing and about and obviously they knew America wasn't like. No, the thing is, so uh, they the, they seized the state. They didn't actually hand it over to the working class, which is supposed to be what happens in communist theory. They kept it. Lenin's vanguard party kept most of the power. They didn't. It didn't actually. Yeah, but come. but he's not the czar. He's he's a different. I mean, he's not he's not a he's not related to the monarchy or anything. He's a full on communist. So, you know, I, still, I think in general, I think it's socialism. I don't think it's like pure communism. I don't think communism is very easy to achieve. But I think it's socialism definitely. Um, I I really don't think like. I mean, the Soviet Union had a very indirect democracy, but which I think is unreliable. It, it's it's better to vote directly for your leader. But they had they had a kind of a kind of a domino tower set up to to establish who would be the next premier and whatnot. I think the difference between like a, a communist system like the Soviet Union has going on and a full on like fascist state like Hitler's is that you know when Hitler died, he would have just given his kids the the. Germany is essentially a monarch, whereas with the Soviet Union, you know, people are put in power by like the, you know, who who's who's considered the best rather than uh, genetics. I think, you know, it's kind of an oligarchy you got going on. Not not exactly a like a tyranny because that that implies one person at the top. But with the Soviet Union, you got more like a committee of you know twenty or thirty people or however many were in like Soviet. Congress or, or the, the the equivalent thereof. I think I think overall, you know, I mean, just given how like how hard it was for like progressives to even like, say anything during the fifties and sixties, you know, it seems to imply the existence of uh, absolutely like an authoritarian state during the fifties. Before and after that, not so much, but the 50s were definitely the most authoritarian period in America's history, and I think the standard of living would have been roughly the same as you get in the Soviet Union.
Okay, well, the point I wanted to make was that... Oh, right. Uh, yeah, so you say Lenin and his vanguard party, they took over Russia, they overthrew the czars, and they established what was called a socialist state, but it wasn't the pure ideal of socialism, where the means of production and the government... It, it wasn't the pure ideal of, of communism, but socialism is like communism light. It's, it's a little less, uh, you know, no. severe. Oh, no, socialism is where the means of production and the state are owned by the working class. It wasn't owned by the working class. The well, that's communism. Part. That's like pure, that's like pure solid communism. I think Lenin probably figured, well, we'll wean them onto socialism before we go full on communism. There no, was communism a conflict is, within is, the, the the upper plant. Communism There's a conflict is, within the upper the upper hierarchy between Leon Trotsky who essentially Stalin didn't like Trotsky because, you know, they disagreed on, on, the, on the doctrine of Marx, and Trotsky was, was put in Mexico. So when George Orwell, for instance, says that he's a socialist, what he actually means is that he's a Trotskyist, and he doesn't support the Soviet Union as it exists. He wishes that Trotsky hadn't been exiled and had become the next premier because, for some reason, everyone just really likes this, this Trotsky guy. I think if Trotsky had been made the, the premier after Lenin, I think probably um, the Soviets wouldn't have been as effective in, in World War II because, quite honestly, what sent fear into the hearts of the Nazis was the, the solidarity of the Russian people. They were just like a machine, you know, the communist machine. They just came over that hill in Stalingrad and they just started killing Nazis like nonstop. They were terrified of the Russians. And in part, that's due to Stalin because the guy, the guy knew how to get an army organized. Um, I don't think Trotsky would have been half as effective. And if this, if it weren't for the Soviets, I think we probably would have lost World War II. Because, I mean, they, they were a force to be reckoned with. And if they had joined Hitler, I mean, gosh forbid, that would have been game over for, for the Allies. Because, like, the Soviets and the Nazis... But, of course, they wouldn't have because communism is directly opposed to fascism with communism being on the extreme left. Fascism being on the extreme right, they never in a million years would have would have uh, bonded over anything, because, like, you know, they're, they're polar opposites. But that's, that's the general idea, is that Trotsky kind of started this rift in the, in the lineage of the Soviet Union, which you see all the way up until uh, pretty much the end, you know, just the idea that, like, there isn't a, there isn't a, a destined next premiere, it's kind of, it's kind of a mess, but I think they hung in there pretty well, and they were pretty good at choosing the next premiere overall. Um, so you know, I I think I think while it might while it may not have been like the dream of Karl Marx, it was at least the most communist nation up until that point. Even if they didn't give the workers as much power as, com as the Communist Manifesto says or whatever, it's still a huge step above what Russia was, and it's absolutely not capitalist. So, socialist, I'd say. Okay, I was going to make the point socialism. that you said, it, you said I was confusing pure socialism with pure communism, no, pure communism is when the state withers away and there's no no need for means of production. It's now controlled locally by the community. Right, right. That that anarchism. that's the right. That that's every everyone owns everything. No, that's not anarchism. That's communism. Anarchism no, when is when you go withers... around and, and spray graffiti on everything and and you take a piss on the street and you know that that's anarchism. What communism is is it's like socialism 
but like seriously up up in the ante like there's no there's no system of governance and no need for means of production you just sit back with that daiquiri and just like oh dang it's commune time time to farm some radishes and that's about all yeah that's all communism is but um socialism is like you know that's no fixed. buying shit we don't expo- we don't exploit any workers we we just we just put them in the factories and they just make stuff and there can be a state in co- in socialism Communism is like the, you know, the the ultimate goal of socialism. It's like to get State to that point where... Society. I'd say communism doesn't doesn't have a, a a state. It has like no system of controlling the citizenry. They just sit around and all That's work anarchism. together in equal, you know... No, it's not anarchism because they still all work together to cooperate on doing things. But um, with anarchism, it's more like, you know... Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go over here and I'm gonna spray paint a, a penis on the wall, even though it's against the law, and I know it's wrong, but I'm gonna do it anyway because I'm an anarchist. Uh, whereas with communism, there really are no laws, so everyone just lives and nobody has the urge to spray paint a penis on a on a wall, you know, because they're that's the philosophy, kind the political of, philosophy of anarchism: no state and everybody. No, just, there's no hierarchy. No, I mean, I think I think a lot of anarchists would disagree with you on that because. The presence of anarchy necessitates some kind of ruling class. I mean, who are you rebelling against if there's nobody to rebel against? I think anarchists only want to be rebellious against the ruling class, whatever that happens to be, as long as there is one. Like after, once once it dissolves and everyone just lives in this post scarcity like utopia, nobody needs to rebel against anything. So the anarchists will just dry up. Um, then again, of course, anarchism varies quite a bit. Like, for instance, here in America, where capitalism is the norm, you know, communists in the 1950s and 60s were the anarchists, whereas over in the Soviet Union at the same time, where communism was the norm, capitalists were seen as the anarchists, whoever's rebelling against the ruling class. Like in Nazi Germany, you know, the, the people who are against the Nazis were seen as the anarchists, and in Britain, I suppose the fellows who are opposed to Brexit are seen as the anarchists. Um, it varies from place to place. Anarchists don't really have a, a set like ideology that's inherently left or right. It's just whatever is popular and in control. We don't like that. We're gonna we're gonna say no thanks. Confusing the the political philosophy of anarchism with anarchism as defined as political nihilism. People just rebelling against rules. Whereas anarchism, is I mean, a... I think people don't like being controlled. I think, I think, you know, I think whenever you have some people in control, you're you're gonna you're you're gonna have some people who don't want that. That's anarchism. But communism is a very set leftist ideology that's extreme leftism to the, to the extreme that fascism is on the right. But anarchism has nothing to do with any issues like abortion or. or free food or health care or whatever it's just hey let's spray paint some penises and be random and that that's all anarchism is no it has a specific history root in leftist philosophy like pierre joseph proudhon was the was an anarchist and he uh, right i'd argue that most anarchists would consider themselves leftists but i would say that if you have a more left-leaning society like china or the soviet union then the people who are anti-communist are considered the anarchists 
more right-wing fellows. Like, for instance, in China, if there's a guy who goes around, you know, saying, Jesus is king, convert to Jesus. Hey, why don't you invest in my offshore oil company? Um, he'll be the anarchist over there, because that's not what the CCP wants. Um, but, you know, he's, he's rebelling against the state. So, there's that. I, again, here over here in America, we we of course see most anarchists as leftists and you know the Antifa the Antifa fellows. But um, anarchism doesn't have any any one you know thing going for it. It's 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 not a like it's it's just as we don't like control. That's essentially the only thing that unifies all anarchists. The one the one consistent belief be, between all anarchists. At any rate, I think I think it's time to discuss the main main uh, the main event of this of this uh, Q and A. We're gonna talk we're gonna talk has been hotel here. One of your favorite cartoons. Um, a couple Q and As ago, I said that um, Harley Magna's name is uh, based off you know Charlemagne, obviously. I said converted uh, the entire Roman Empire to Christianity. I, I meant to say Constantine. That's the one who converted the entire Roman Empire to Christianity. But Charlemagne was still, like, a very Christian guy. Um, we got here on the Wikipedia page for Charlemagne. Uh, Charles was temperate in eating, and particularly so in drinking. He abominated drunkenness in anybody, much more in himself and those of his household. Um, he very rarely gave entertainments, only on great feast days. Um... He was fond of St. Augustine's books, and especially of the one titled The City of God, which doesn't sound like a very satanic text to me. So, why is the devil's daughter in Has Been Hotel named after, like, this, this Christian Roman emperor, or not, not a real Roman emperor, but like a, you know, when Rome became fake, fake Rome, um, why, why is she named after, like, this, this Christian guy? Like, wouldn't it be, make more sense to name her, like, LeVay or something? Like, after a Satanist, you know? Well, maybe they're, they're, uh, going What's for... the motivation in that? Maybe they're going for an irony angle. She is, uh, hosting a hotel that is sending sinners to send them to heaven, so be ironic to give her a Christian name. Well, like I think, I think Vivzy Pop just assumes that people won't know who this guy is because nobody studies history anymore. And I mean, Magni isn't even a real name. It's just like you take Charl Charlemagne, and you're like, Magni's your last name, Charlie's your first name. It's like calling her like Charlie Chaplin or Charlie in the Chocolate Factory. You know, it's just making up something random. Um, but it doesn't make any sense because Charlemagne was not a Satanist. He was very religious. Yeah, and so, Charlie, how, she's how going, well, Charlie, she's going against her father's, uh, you know, his uh, his work. He uh, he makes sinners go to hell. She's getting sinners out of hell. So I think they're going for an, an irony angle. They're giving her a name of a very famous Christian. That's not allowed within the context of Christianity. Or at well, least not within like canon Christianity. Well, because here we're 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 making an entire cartoon based around a system which historically 
It's been used to intimidate and punish homosexuals and, like, women and stuff. And when everyone in hell is homosexual, the conclusion oh. I reach is, oh, they're in hell because they were too gay. Like, what kind of message is this? I mean, in Dante's Divine Comedy, you know, you have hell, which is where everyone burns and, and is in torment forever, seven circles and all that. And then you have Purgatory, which is like, you know, for not the best people, but not the worst people. And you can be on Mount Purgatory for like a hundred years and work your way up to the top. And then you get to be in, in Paradise or whatever, but it's still pretty long and a lot of torment there, too. Like, I mean, I... I does Hasbino tell ascribe to like canon Christianity or like Dante's Divine Comedy? Because they're two very different interpretations of the afterlife. And, you know, obviously modern day Christianity kind of brings in elements of both, and some Christians buy into Dante's bit, but he made he made all that up. Okay, so you're an atheist, right? Absolutely. Hasbin Hotel has about as much like it has it carries as much weight for me as like, Snow okay, White and the so, Seven Dwarfs. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not a Christian either. My point was going to be that from both our perspectives, Christianity is just in and of itself fiction. It's just these. It's mythology. So I don't really see what the big deal is. Of right. It, but it's it's it. a really <laughs> lame mythology with like no develop. Like the the character the characters are just this is the good guy. And this is the bad guy, and the good guy's in heaven, the bad guy's in hell. Why would you choose to make, uh, like, a cartoon based off this really boring, reductive mythology when there are so many cool ones out there with so many, like, gray and, and, and deep and complex characters, like, with problems and, and obstacles and stuff? Like, if God always wins, and Satan always loses, and Satan's always bad, and God's always good, what... What kind of, like, story can you make out of that? Because in Hasbin Hotel, sin is still a, a canon concept. The idea that you can do something so horrible that you're, you're subjected to eternal torment. And, like, I, I don't know, that just doesn't seem like a very interesting story. Like, well, the, reason, the reason it's about Christianity like, is because we're a predominantly Christian society. It's the mythology that people are most familiar with. Right, so. right. But, like... I enjoy being exposed to new perspectives, and the fact of the matter is, Christianity is boring by now. Like, I'm not f more familiar with Christianity than I am of, like, other mythologies or religions. Um, I, I also find it humorous how you don't just refer to Christianity as mythology, even though that's exactly what it is. I don't even think the Greeks bought into their gods as much as Christians do, but as an American, I find it a little, you know, condescending to have a cartoon that just like well you're an american so you probably don't know about anything except christian and even if even if that is all i know i'd like to be introduced to new stories from other cultures that are better at telling stories like so who's who is the show supposed to offend because like all good art will offend someone in some way like that's why you know banksy is big and everything because he makes his really offensive shit that is intended to offend someone Who's has been Hotel supposed to offend? I assume, like, Pat Robertson is like, Oh, no, there's a cartoon about the devil? I, I shake my fist at this. Oh, my gosh, it's a cartoon about the devil. Oh, wow, this is crazy. Um, Maybe it's supposed to offend you.
it doesn't really offend me because like you just see it as like boring like i don't i don't object to the concept of something about satan but it has to be done well like little nicky does like i like little nicky because it has adam sandler and stuff and um rodney dangerfield and harvey keitel i don't think as been hotel as anyone of that caliber of talent um, also, Lil Nicky came out 21 years ago. I think Hasbin Hotel would really be big. Like, it would really actually strike a nerve if it was made in the 1980s and Satanic Panic's going on. But it's 2021 now, and a cartoon about Satan just isn't like... At, it's, it's not provocative. Cuphead, Cuphead has Satan. It's like a freaking... Cartoon about a video game about a guy who has a cup for a head. Satan's been done to death at this point. He's just boring. He doesn't offend me because I'm not offended by one imaginary thing over the other imaginary thing. I'm just offended that if Z Pop assumes that it's the only thing I'll be familiar with because I'm an American. Like, you know, there's other stuff out there at this point. I think I think 2000. Little Nicky came out is the last year that you'd ever get like a crazy provocative response about a, a, a movie or something about Satan. Like, that was the last year. That was the last time anyone gave a shit about. Oh my gosh, it's a it's a movie about Satan. Gosh dang, this sure is edgy. Oh my gosh, um, you know it's, it's just it's just he's just a goat guy. Like so so. Who who does has been hotel offend like? Well, let's see. It depends. It offends the Pat Robertson types you referred to. It uh, a lot of people are just find it off putting because it looks like deviant art fetish stuff. And so apparently, I mean, it, it looks that. like shit. I I don't look I don't look at these characters and think oh they're they look like fetish characters. I look at them and go. There's too many details, and it's seizure-inducing, and they didn't put enough thought into how this thing is supposed to look. And is the Pat Robertson crowd going to know what DeviantArt fetish shit is? Or do they know what a furry is? Probably not. So, like, <laughs> it's it's not offensive because, again, I'm an asexual, and looking at a, a rack isn't offensive. But if, if all you have is that there's demons, which I don't believe in, and they're horny, which doesn't offend me or turn me on or anything. It's just, like, completely neutral, but also really boring. And what does this show offer besides just horny, gay, like, demon <laughs> people that have sex and just are demons? What's what's it got? It's an interesting angle. Like, I think compared about... to... Think about the Nightmare Before Christmas. Do you think that's meant to offend anyone? I've, well, I, I I really don't think it really would offend anyone. I there, There's no hell or heaven in it, so probably not. Even though Halloween Town is just as imaginary as either of those two. So, yeah, probably not. When I was a, well, when I was a kid, I had some Christian neighbors that didn't like me watching it because of the Halloween theme. But uh, besides that, I don't think Nightmare Before Christmas, using its uh, horror and gothic elements is meant to offend people i think people just really like the spooky halloween stuff i'm thinking maybe has well but but again christians 
Christians will be offended by anything. But then again, The Nightmare Before Christmas has, like, interesting ideas about, like, making holidays into realms and, and stuff. And it's basically just what Peter Cottontail does, so I can't say The Nightmare Before Christmas came up with that idea, but I will say it executes it really well. Also, the characters are really well designed. They're not just like these, these like tin horned, tin spotted, like just random amalgamation of eyes and shit. You know, Tim Burton actually thinks, well, what would look cool? You know, what what character, what what features can I give this character to make sure that they like have a personality and stuff, not just like let's give this guy a top hat, let's give this guy tin tin horns and a breast. And also, yeah, he has stripes on his legs, and, like, you know, Tim, Tim Burton's actually really good with character design. So that's yet another difference between the two. I, I think anyone can get offended by anything, and I'm sure there's a crowd out there who are offended by The Nightmare Before Christmas, but, um, you know, it, it's Tim Burton's own kind of theology that he made up, so, um, you know, again, not, not, um, not like... Just heaven and hell, which has been going on for two thousand years straight, and is played out by this point. Well, the point I was making with the has been hotel is maybe it doesn't necessarily offend people, but like Nightmare for Christmas, people do enjoy seeing uh, hell betrayed. They do like seeing as portrayed as this sleazy city. They like seeing Vizzy Pop's designs, these very deviant art, furry animal designs. Uh, you know, it's kind of like. You know, that childhood nostalgia you get for seeing something like Nightmare Before Christmas or similar cartoons. Maybe they're... I mean, it, it's... Husband. Yeah, it's kind of the same formula that, like, Peter Sellers uses when he just rips off Tim Burton's style and he's like, Hey, did you, en did you enjoy Nightmare Before Christmas? You liked Edward Scissorhands? Get ready for Monkey Bone, because it looks <laughs> kind of like a Tim Burton movie, except it's, it's not, and it has Brendan Fraser, and it's bad. And a bunch of sex jokes in there and garbage. Um, like, yeah, I, I suppose it could be in the same way as that. But then again, I, I would argue that Has Been Hotel doesn't even really look like a Tim Burton thing. It just looks kind of like the, the kind of like edgy internet humor you'd see around 2006. Around the time that like poor Paul was around. You, poor Paul is kind of has the same type of like where it's like, oh man, we went there, oh my gosh, we really we really actually did it. You didn't think it would go there, but it went there. A prime example of this being the, the Addict music video for Has Been Hotel, which has over a hundred million views, which I will take, I will take a, a leap of faith and say that that is too many views for anything. That is, that is one eightieth of the world's population has viewed this cartoon about as a stripping demon that's if 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 one of my cartoons got that many views i would i would i would probably discourage people from watching it anymore because nobody needs to see a cartoon that much like any cartoon even a good one um it starts off with this warning this video contains graphic language adult content flashing lights depictions of sexual assault abuse and addiction this content is intended for mature audiences only 
18 plus. Viewer discretion is advised. When I see a content warning at the beginning of something, I think, oh my gosh, this is this is not going to be provocative in the least. Because they put that on there if, because if, if something has to tell me, if something has to tell me ahead of time, if something has to if something has to tell me ahead of time, it has grab it has the graphicest language and the adultest content. And then I watch it, and it's just this stripping demon. Like, sure, he's stripping, but the parts where he's, like, abused are so short. Like, they're like a fraction of a second that they're practically a subliminal message at that point. And, like, a good example I can draw is to my breast alcohol establishment music video. In my breast alcohol establishment music video, there's a shot where Rob gives a character some money. So he can so he can look at her breasts and in universe this character is a prostitute who hangs out at the breast alcohol establishment but i don't i don't say that because it's not necessary like if you've read the comic you'd get it and you'd be like oh that's a fun little reference hey there's the prostitute don't need to say she is a prostitute because that it's just not necessary and as a result i don't need to say hey this this has a prostitute in it so get ready it's gonna be really intense it's just like Oh, it's subtle, you know, some some subtlety, some some light innuendo. Okay, well, when first I of see all, this content warning, they they don't put the co okay. First of all, you'll notice Hasman Hotel didn't have a content warning, even though it's the same shtick. But they put the content warning there not to say, "Get ready, this is going to be edgy and provocative." They put it in there because kids keep watching these, and they need their parents to know that hey. Don't let your kids watch this. Quit letting them watch this and then bitch us out for it. Like, this, is, this isn't provocative enough to the point where I'd be, say, like, oh my gosh, if a child sees this thing, he's going to be scarred for life. Like, it's not, it's not the deer hunter. It's not deliverance. It's not, like, carnal knowledge, you know. To, to, to actually, like, be... To actually warrant, like, any sort of thing like this, you actually have to... Earn, like you have you have to have something that is provocative if all has been hotel comes up with is hey this demon is gay and that's just kind of homophobic now like i said the parts where the parts where the like he's crying on the oh my gosh he's being abused by his pimp or so like split second that like a nine-year-old with an uh, the attention span has been hotel apparently thinks these youngsters have because like they put a content warning on the four-minute music video, but not the not the main thing for some reason. I guess they assume children only watch like short videos. Maybe that's true. I don't know. But, like when I see a content warning, I just think this 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 ruins the art first and like there's no art there to begin with. But if there is con a content warning on something, it it ruins the impact something like you know a sex scene or a violence scene could have can you imagine cause the only the only actual method that's ever worked is the rating system gp gpg 13 or an nc 17 uh, because it doesn't spoil anything like if if i went into taxi driver also way better story about a, a prostitute getting abused by their pimp um as Hotel has no idea how to pull that kind of storyline off um, if I went in a taxi driver and started off with this content warning that was like, hey, th this movie that you're about to watch deals with a guy who who is mentally ill, and also there's themes of se sexual abuse, so you better get ready. 
and the movie's ruined, and I'm not gonna, you know, it's not gonna hit as hard at the point where, like, Robert De Niro's going around and shooting everyone, because I already know that's gonna happen. And with the rating system, you can look at the poster for a movie and just go, oh, it's an R rating, okay. And you don't, you know, there's the little box next to it that's, like, in really fine print. Oh, graphic depiction is for sexual self somewhere. But it's not, you can, the, the letter is big, so you can just look at the poster go, oh, that's what this movie is, and make a judgment based on that. And generally, you can assume that if you're going into an R-rated movie, there's going to be some sex and violence. And like, you know, I, I expect yeah, adult kid, people to, to be able to handle this. And you can even see adults, R-rated movie. Okay, but like, I was trying to tell you, they, they put that warning on there because kids watch these because they're cartoons, and parents need to know that, oh, shit, maybe I shouldn't let like, my kids do this. Kids don't just. Wander. I'd say that that's a problem. That that's more a problem with like the the atmosphere of animation these days. Like nobody's is you know being being knowledgeable about stuff like Fritz the Cat or something, which is a fine cartoon in its own right. But like I th I think part of the problem is people don't understand that animation has a lot more versatility than anyone gives it credit for. Maybe that's the problem. And the best way to remove these misconceptions about the potential of animation might be to remove the content warning, and that way the animation would have more of an impact on society on the whole. Like, Pink Floyd's The Wall, great animated movie, some great animations in there. I know it's British, but it's really good. If there was a content warning at the beginning that was like, you know, to for kids who thought that The Wall was like a, a kid's movie because it's a cartoon, if it was like, hey, this... This movie has themes of fascism, and this movie has themes of of violence, and this movie has that that just ruins like the impact that it might have had. Because not only do the youngsters have to watch that stupid content warning, the kids do too. And if I was seven years old and I saw something that was overly sexual, overly violent, I just turn it off. It's very simple. Like, and if I'm if, if I'm if I'm say you know over eighteen. I see something that's overly graphic, and, you know, say someone's a rape victim, which, absolutely, perfectly valid excuse, and you see a rape scene in a movie, you can leave the theater, or turn off the TV. And that's the movie fine for everyone else who isn't traumatized by that sort of thing. I do think that people who are over 18 need to kind of deal with this sort of thing, because sex and violence does exist they are things that happen and you can't just censor everyone force everyone to put a content warning for legal purposes that that diminishes the impact that sex and violence in movies and stuff can have the only the only case in which i think a content warning is appropriate is if something has flashing lights because if something gives someone a seizure they can't turn it off or they can't leave the theater because they're spasming all over the floor like if it's just a stripping demon that that that's not worthy of a giant wall of text at the beginning that's like this is goddamn the most wild thing you've ever seen um that's that's just a marketing gimmick it's, it's just the new william castle it's just the new way to to get people talking about this thing like this is the fucking craziest thing of it because nobody's gonna sue this random demon cartoon. If if some parent catches their kid watching it, they'll just be like, let's turn this off, you know? They're not gonna be like, we're gonna sue Hasbin Hotel for everything they've got, you know? Nobody's gonna do that, so... 
I think it's just a marketing gimmick, and they're just like, this, get ready. This is the most intense shit you'll ever see. Oh my gosh, it's a demon, and he's homosexual. Oh my gosh. It's, it, it's, it's Remember Lil Nas X did that video, and that caused a big uproar where he's, he's giving, like... Well, the... I mean, yeah, he's on a stripper pole in that one, but it's better because he's because he's like a, a guy and he's not this noxiously gay demon i mean i think but people sex knows how to treat the topic with subtlety instead of just being like hey i'm gay and i'm on a stripper you know montero's point like was that people song. got mad about that people got mad about that, that yeah people got mad about that but nobody nobody sued little nas x over it and you also notice that little nas x doesn't put a content warning at the beginning it's like Hey, the, you might want to avert your eyes because this has Satan and a stripper pole in it. Oh my gosh! You know, because that, that, that's trying too hard. Now, Lil Nas X, of course, his song actually is like a, a good song with like style and, and flair and everything. And, and um, th this shit sounds like Skrillex. It sounds like the kind of shit you'd hear in like 2009 when Steve Aoki <laughs> was big and Electronic was like at, at death's door practically as a genre. Like all of has been hotel, it's it's appropriately outdated as hell. I mean, this is not the kind of song you hear in two, 2021 and go, oh my gosh, this is the best song I've ever heard. The only reason anyone thinks hundred million is, views seem to disagree. <laughs> yeah, I think a hundred million suckers can easily be coerced into thinking that a, a dubstep song is amazing if you animate this gay demon to it the animation is nothing to write home about it's not it's not extremely fluid or anything like it, it's not well, amazing animation if you, hotel if, is if very you, fluid and detailed compared to most adult cartoons out right now vault cartoons try to be crude and lazy i mean i i would say that there is that kind of style that's everywhere today the pupils and it looks like a pc vey cartoon i think pc vey was the the originator of the style but you see it in rick and morty you see it in this new one inside job you see it in bob's burgers you see it in the star trek one you know everything's trying to look generically similar because they know that this sort of thing sells i will give has been hotel this it has its own aesthetic the problem is that the aesthetic is just as visually off-putting as those pc vey people because they're not it's not very good animation like i think if if you if you see animation not as a job but as some kind of like godly talent and you know may, maybe like you you'll be like oh my gosh this is animated oh my god i don't give things props just because they're animated they actually have to have like a story that hooks me and stuff like like, like fritz the cat it has a plot it has things happen characters that you care about because they, you know, they have personalities and shit. The only reason that this dubstep song has the views it does is because there's an animated cartoon music video to go along with it. Also, it helps to be tied to one of the most popular franchises of all time. My breast alcohol sure. establishment music video has more fluid animation than this music video. You, you can check. You can play both of them side by side at like 25% speed. And you'll see that breast alcohol establishment has more frames in it than addict. And if this thing played on just like the radio, 
people would turn it off if they had no context for it and didn't know that it's from this big cartoon they would turn it off because it's a really bad song it's like it's like ear rape it's like a freaking youtube poop <laughs> practically it has some of the worst mixing I, i've ever heard it's it's insufferable but like i i guess if your only objective is not not to really offend anyone because you're not being like provocative about things like homosexuality or prostitution the way stuff like taxi driver or lil nas x montero is and you also just want to be like i guess like visually and auditorily uh abrasive then has been hotels got that got that down but is it a good cartoon no and it's not even good for like adult animation and like it has nothing to it. it it's like it's like eating a big bowl of like maple syrup it, it's it's substanceless and empty and void and i th i think like if you if you approach a cartoon with just hey let's make all these characters look like fetish characters <laughs> they never do anything that provocative like have sex or anything but they're they just look like that so we can make it look like oh my gosh it's fetish care and they're not good characters because for good characters you have to start with like an idea of like hey who's this character what's your motivation where's it going they can have sex and shit but you they, don't think they, they also need to have like a motivation and a drive and i think the problem with has been hotel is they came up with these character designs first and figured they looked cool and then they're like well, let's write some kind of story like the the like the the, the charlie lady is like hey let's rehabilitate the sinners or something huh like that's not that's not how you that's not how you write a good story you don't start with the character design you start with the idea the concept and then work from there i didn't just draw bob rob and snob and, and go like Huh, these these ca characters look cool. I want to put them in a story now. I was like, well, uh, you know, it started with the concept of let's, make, let's do a comic about campus culture and frat life and like that. You got to start with an idea, and the idea can't just be let's let's turn our deviantart furry characters into actual cartoon characters in a in a big cartoon. How about that? Because you're not going to end up with a good cartoon. Because furry characters aren't made to be in a cartoon; they're meant to be fetishized, and and people have sex with them and shit. And that's not a good premise for a cart. Like no, nobody's nobody's like fetishizing Fritz the Cat because he's a well-developed character. He has lots of sex, but he's a well-developed character. You don't think furries like fetishize characters? No, not usually. I mean, that's why every furry is just some random generic cartoon thing or mouse or some shit. No, nobody's nobody's going after like nobody's going after Daffy Duck because he's already a, a coded homosexual and a very well developed character. Like, you you can kind of like stave off the horniness if you just make a, a good product. You know, like it's. It's it's not that hard to get like these characters aren't 
you can, you can have animal characters. You can have furry characters. You can have demon characters. But you need to come up with the with the plot, the meat of the story first before. Clearly, these characters are just designed to look cool, and someone's like, "Hey, I'll make I'll make a guy with five spots and a freaking stripy shirt, and he's like a gangster or some shit." And then they just stuff him into this story, and and that's not that's not how to make a good cartoon. It's it's just not, you know. It's so the worst all... cartoon I've ever seen. I think it beats out Rick and Morty. I think it beats out Rick and Morty as the worst cartoon. Um, I don't think SpongeBob is the worst cartoon anymore. I think I think Rick and Morty kind of beat it out. Um, as far as like you know, I, it's hard to be a it's hard to be like that upset at SpongeBob anymore because twenty years old. Um, Rick and Morty had the throne for a while, but here comes Hasbin Hotel to just send animation completely back into the dark ages. Uh, it it it's 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 terrible. It's like it's it's probably the worst cartoon I've ever seen. And, and think to think that like people are like, you don't think the story works simply because it's you think Christianity is boring. You think its mythology is boring. I don't think all mythology is boring. If it was about a, a complex and well-rounded character like Hades instead of the devil, I think it'd be great. Um, but it's, it's not about mythology. Hades, it's about the devil. Yeah, Christianity is mythology, but I'm saying it's really bad mythology. It, it's, it's... I judge all mythologies just like stories. Like, one is better than another. I think Christian mythology is as weak sauce as it gets. Like there, there's no. If you grow up, no... a, if you grew up in a predominantly Christian society, people are going to be. Uh, there's going to be more cultural capital to that, so people are going to want to see. Oh, okay, it takes place in right. Canada. This is my. And this I my think that what I think that's the problem is that the only the only company that really capitalizes on other cultures and societies is Disney, and I think it's the responsibility of any self-respecting artist to kind of jump on that because I mean, especially since. If it's not Disney, it's going to be more authentic people. Like, you know, if there's an African animation or something, there's plenty of great ones out there. But I think the problem is that as an atheist who really hasn't... I've never been to a church or baptized or anything, so this cartoon carries as much weight for me as, like, anything else. There's, no, there's, no, there's nothing about it being set in hell that makes me go... I should pay more attention to this cartoon over over some other cartoon because this one's in my religion. It's not my religion. And I was I, raised. I, I treat I all was, religions. I was sure, raised. So maybe Christian. the cartoon is more like, oh my gosh, it's that thing I wasn't supposed to look at when I was a youngster. But you have to understand that atheists are the largest minority in America. I think it's like. Practically down the middle, like forty-eight to fifty-two or something. So, not not every atheist is has grown up in a Catholic environment, and that is a, a Christian myth that every atheist is from like this Christian background. Sometimes you're just an atheist because you don't buy into it. And at this point, we're getting second generation and third generation atheists. Atheism has been around a long time, and it'll just keep growing in numbers and become its own demographic. So as, as someone who sees no potential in the concept of hell, 
and who does not believe in Satan and does not believe in God, Hasbinotel offers me nothing. And maybe if someone is gullible enough to buy into this mythologized magic sky daddy battle, then maybe Hasbinotel is is the most the most wild. Things that don't appeal to me are bad. Yeah, things that things that perpetuate like this racist, bad imperialist doctrine really are bad. Like Christianity is a bad belief system. It it doesn't provide any moral compass. It it's been used to justify shit like slavery and imperialism. And personally, I don't like endorsing stuff like that. Like I wasn't. Again, all the characters are gay, and they're all in hell. So what does this say about being gay, right? If you're gay, you go to hell. Isn't that, isn't that wrong? Like, Not that's all messed gay, up. Just... Yeah, the but, like, there, there's so many gay characters here in hell. Like, because Viv's pop, pop is bisexual, and she likes uh, LGBT yeah, I mean, representation. I, I wish, I wish she, I wish she was nuanced enough to understand that Christianity is what's been used to denounce homosexuals. Because, see, if you have this magic book that says gay people are bad and should be stoned to death, and you can justify things like, like, you know, denying same-sex marriage. But if you get that out of the picture and you just say. These are made-up stories and carry no weight in the real world. There's no more homo- There's no more homophobia because the only thing that can justify something as stupid as homophobia is Christianity. The only way you can justify hating gay people is with a stupid magic book. So you're saying has been provocative ways to offend. It. Yeah, I th- I think it's like really bad for for gay people make this cartoon about gay gay demons in hell like get little nas x does it but like you know he becomes satan has been hotel just presents a hell where like just gay and you're in hell and you it's crummy and well, they're in they're in hell for other reasons no i think mainly it, it's because they're gay i think i think you, you can say all you want that oh the, this this demon's a Gangster. He was Al. He was, he was an Al Capone type. That's why he's in. But ultimately, when you have a show about a constructed realm where all the homosexuals go to be punished for being the wrong sexuality, and then you populate this realm with predominantly LGBTQ characters, I th- I think the message you're kind of sending is that this is where these characters belong because they're bad and and wrong. And, and horrible and like maybe Vivzy Alistair's, Pop didn't Alistair's maybe Vivzy Pop didn't finish your thought. Yeah, he's asexual. I I don't care if he's asexual. He's still a demon. Like it's not good representation. That's like saying, oh my. They God, don't think oh, asexuals wow. go to hell. Like Christians don't think asexuals go to hell. I I assume they would. Like if you don't Why? have sex don't with have one. Sex. I, I assume if you don't have, yeah, I suppose there's like monks and eunuchs and stuff in Christianity, but that's the about the only option uh, to abstain from sex. I mean, otherwise you're expected to, to you know, multiply. That's what Adam and Eve, the whole doctrine there is: be fruitful, and multiply. You got to reproduce. 
And that's why we're overpopulated now, because everyone buys into this doctrine that says you have to reproduce no matter what. Um, you have Christian sects like the Quiverful that just have like 20 children who you can all indoctrinate into Christianity, and uh, it's quite honestly sad. Same for like Mormons and whatnot. But the Alistair is asexual, and he is in hell. So I'm I'm going to go with the the message Vivzy Pop is presenting by stating that hell is a place, and that a lot of the characters down there are LGBTQ. Maybe she was just like, well, I'll make the characters gay and bisexual and stuff because that's yeah you know, I'm bisexual, so I'll be like, yeah, I'll make I'll make hell as diverse as possible. But that carries with it the implication that heaven is a bunch of straight white people. If you make hell as diverse as possible, then what you're saying is that the good place has all the straight white people, and that's the only way you you can be redeemed. Is that like it? What about the guy yeah, with. I find it really that funny that like... that you look at a comic like Veterans Day and go, "Oh, this is racist," and you don't look at a comic like or a cartoon like Has Been Hotel and go, oh, this is really homophobic. Like, how's that work out? It's like Veterans Day is, on a base level, its message is pro-Vietnam and anti-America. But, like, Has Been Hotel is set in hell, which is a constructed fake story that people make up to scare homosexuals. It's full of, it's full of gay and, and queer people and, like, that's just not... Fifty Pop didn't mean it. Like you say, the intention doesn't matter or whatever. Like, the, the implication is what matters. So, I think you're kind of holding Fifty Pop to a, to a whole different standard than me. Like, Aspen Hotel never, never says that this is not the case. Like, it's hell. It, it's, it's, it's an established environment where sinners go to burn and suffer. So... I'm going to go with that this is pretty much the same hell in, in Christian theology, because I, I don't like, think Fibsy Pop has that much of an imagination. She can't make up her own afterlife or anything, so... I'm gonna go with it that this is hell, and these people are in hell because they're gay. That's what well, I'm gonna go with. It doesn't fully follow Christian theology, because there's this uh, setup she's trying to do Charlie, where you can rehabilitate sinners. Christians don't believe sinners in hell can be rehabilitated. They're already right, dead. Right, so it's like, it's like it's like a cartoon promoting gay conversion therapy. Oh, that's what God it sir. is. That's what it is. That's, 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 the, that's the undertext I'm getting from this. And personally, I don't give think you credit. I haven't heard had this in give mind. You, give you credit, I haven't heard that theory before. I like it. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's like the only theory I'd go with is an atheist. I, like that, that's, that's, and again, as someone with no stakes in the matter, I, I'm a neutral observer to this. If I see a, a cartoon set in hell, I'm going to assume that it's the same hell that's in, in mainstream Christianity. I'm not going to look at little Nicky and go, oh, this isn't a religious movie. It is, it's set in hell. But, I mean, I guess the difference is that Lil Nicky has positive homosexual representation, like Nipple Guy, and Has Been Hotel really doesn't. 
just wait just... how is how is nipple guy more positive he's still a demon in hell no nipple guy isn't a demon in hell he's just a guy who dan dances in his apartment this is when little nicky is on earth uh nipple guy just dances around his apartment oh that nipple guy and, i thought he, you met the guy, yeah, the nipple guy. he uh he's he pinches his nipples and and snadler's like dude looks like a lady and then he just leaves and that's and that's and that's it like that's, that's positive pretty is not positive it's not he little nicky is just commenting that the that the guy looks kind kind of kind of kind of feminine which he does then he leaves that, that that's not that's not it's not homophobic like at the last scene i think uh nipple guy shows up again um in hell but it's not because he died or anything and he's being punished for being gay it's because he uh it's because he it, it's because th there's the apocalypse and like everyone's going to hell the little Nicky's brothers have instigated so you know it's not because he's gay it's just because he's there he's there and um everyone's in hell like not just the gay people or whatever um but nipple guy it's that's like, the difference again between nipple guy is just some guy dancing around I mean, there are yeah, look at this freak gay... you know he's even gay maybe yeah, he's, he's funny just... You know he's even gay. Maybe, yeah, maybe he's, he's like there. maybe he's maybe he's a cross dresser, but you know, point is still good LGBTQ representation. But the oh, yeah. the difference is that like there are gay Christians. I don't know why anyone would ascribe to such a such a belief system. It's kind of like you know the it's a very contradictory position because the Bible is explicitly anti homosexuality. I mean, I think most gay Christians just grew up in the system, and they don't want to leave it. They have Stockholm syndrome, so they're like, "I still, guys, still be Christian, even though I, I do something that I, I know will send me to hell." Like, but I, I think Little Nicky is is a more is a is a better movie about hell because it was twenty one years ago, and also it has. Quentin Tarantino's only correct role, where he plays the the crazy oh, yeah. the crazy lunatic, which is the only role he can play because he is he he, he does talk like a coke a coked up squirrel all the time. But um, Lil Nicky has now it, it it's interesting, of course, in that it says that there's multiple Satans and they're they're a big family of Satans. I've never seen that done before. Like that that Nicky is the son of satan who's the son of lucifer who's the grandpa of satan kind of that's interesting um i don't think has been hotel has the capability to come up with anything that interesting um so it's just like well what if you could you could redeem yourself in hell by rehabilitating the sinners and that's not hell that's purgatory that's that's what dante says in the divine comedy that's what mount purgatory is for but Go, I'm going to take a stab in the dark here and assume that since all these characters are in hell, there's no getting out. That's what hell is. You don't get out of hell. You you can you can, you can get your way out if you're on purgatory, but not not in hell. That's the concept of hell. Well, it's an experiment on Charlie's behalf. She's thinking that it is possible that no one is too far gone. That demons can it's be. It's not because. It's not because God is omnipotent and God will not permit the demons to enter heaven. He just won't. And what God says is final because he's the supreme being. I'm going to assume again that God exists in this canon because it's hell. But yeah, so I'm, I'm going to assume that. So it, it, it's not going to happen because 
the, the, the worldview that Christianity sets up is not a democracy. You don't get to choose who can be rehabilitated and who can't. It's God, what God says goes. He's the ultimate, he's the ultimate thing. He created everything. He does everything. He knows everything. He sees everything. And he's not going to let anyone from hell go up to heaven because that's just not how Did heaven it? and hell operate. Didn't Satan basically just not rage war against, didn't Lucifer originally rage war against God and take one third of the angels? And he lost because you can't win it and he but, lost because you can't win against God. He's the supreme being. He's the But he still tries. He's, he's, still, the, he's the big cheese. He still you tries. Can try, still but you will fail. You you can attempt it, but it will fail. Because, like, so why should I watch a, a show where the where the plot is, hey, let's try to rebel against God, and you can't because he's he's the he's the ultimate super being. Like, the, there's no stakes because well, you know that the main character isn't going to succeed because Christianity is set up as a situation where one being holds. The entire universe in his oh. grasp. He's omnipotent. He knows everything. He sees everything. He can do anything. He's the most powerful being in the part universe. What if this rehabilitation theme is part of God's secret will? Like he'll let Charlie go through this and let demons be rehabilitated. I mean, well, what? I mean, given that hell is established in the first place, I really don't think he'd he'd change his mind because God also never makes mistakes. He does not make errors. So if he's established oh. hell already, then then oh. there's no way that and and you can't. Well, why say did that, he like, create? Why did he create Satan to begin with? Think, if Satan was going to rebel and corrupt his creation. Because I suppose he was bored, and when you're when you're an all-knowing super deity, all you can do for a little excitement is is create things that are going to rebel against you, even though you know that they won't win. It's at well, maybe least that's like a little happening. entertainment, but. No, you can't. I don't think I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that the characters of of Hasbin Hotel are intrinsically like following, like like God is coercing them to do this or anything. Because in Christianity, there is the concept of free will, and everyone says that that's what that's great because you can choose to be in heaven or hell, like it's some kind of a choice. But what I am saying is that it. it if these characters try and rehabilitate sinners, they're just not going to be able to, because God will stop them. And so it's not an interesting show because there's no stakes, because there's no possible way the heroes well, can win, because there's no possible way to defeat God. He's he, There's he's only been a pilot. Well, there is a that, pilot. There has only been a pilot, but I, I, I think that... For fuck's sake, can I get a fucking word hero, in this conversation? Go ahead, go ahead, sir. Go, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. What now? Yeah, I'm gonna start yelling at you. Okay, so um, as I was saying, what if this? What if uh, power balance between God and the devil actually isn't as unbalanced as we think it is? Maybe the devil does have a lot more leverage in what happens in the afterlife. Like clearly, in this version, then, then the I'm devil created yeah. hell. Then I'm I'm going to assume that Vivzi Pop just doesn't understand the religion that she's uh, clearly dedicated an entire cartoon to, and again, this is the reason you shouldn't make things about Christianity because it's a it's a black and white, I'm good and you're bad situation 
where one thing will always win and one thing will never win. I mean, you you have you have to be. I mean, there's like the Exorcist and the Omen, and in the end of the Exorcist, the Exorcist wins. And at the end of the Omen, Jesus wins. Like it's not an interesting thing. And maybe back in the '70s it was. Maybe in the '70s it was it was new because that was the point at which people started making movies and shit about Satan. Because before that you couldn't do that. So in the '70s it was like let's make some movie about Satan. But at this point. The trope is so played out, and it's so boring to watch these bad characters rebel against the good characters, and oh my gosh, will they make it? No, they won't, because that's how Christianity works. And if they do make it, then the creator of the show doesn't understand what Christianity is. And that, that's well, and these, a lot of like, adult make a show about... Uh, a lot of adult cartoons these days are more moral ambiguous. Like, you have... Bad or you can't have that in Christianity. You you can have that in Greek mythology. You can have that in Norse mythology. You can have morally gray characters like Loki because he's not just the embodiment of pure evil. He's the embodiment of a of a of a of a more morally gray characteristic mischief. So you can have characters like that. You can have characters like Hades who aren't the embodiment of evil. Hades is just one of the gods who has to take care of the dead, according to Zeus. And he can rebel against Zeus, because in Greek mythology, there's multiple gods with just as much power as each other. So they can they can f squabble amongst themselves and decide how the world should be run and everything. Like, Zeus is the most powerful, but if all the other gods say, let's do this, then he'll be like, okay. You know, that's that's a scenario where you have multiple deities all kind of have a say in things. It's an oligarchy, not a tyranny. But with Christianity, there's there's two deities. There's God and there's Satan. And Satan will always lose because the deck has been stacked against him every single time. It's like watching the Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote. You just know what's going to happen. And, he, and even them, even they're, they're more, more developed characters than this good, good per magic sky daddy and the bad evil fire daddy what is this like to make a cartoon about this this is the most boring shit i've ever heard it's laughable to to think that well, the only just... reason that they make a cartoon about satan is because they assume that as an american i will only understand christianity that that's ludicrous that's but you said yourself that's my intelligence said yourself that in Christianity, the forces of, of hell can't win against a uh, Christian god or the forces of heaven. Maybe the show is trying right. to subvert that. Maybe in this, in this lore of this show, maybe it is possible. Maybe they'll explore it since there's only been but, a pilot episode. Maybe she can't. 2,000 years of established the theological doctrine against but one it's, cartoon it's made by a... But it's fiction. It's fiction. All fiction. But if, so if I made right, but if I made a cartoon based on an established mythology, I'd want to stick to the rules of that mythology. And if you make one about a cool mythology like Greek mythology, then you can do that and still have a really satisfying yeah, which, and interesting story. Which fun but if fact. you're just gonna if you're just gonna take fact. a mythology that already exists 
and completely break the rule set of that mythology, then what's the point of making anything oh. about that mythology to begin with? Like, what's the point? Uh, one little fact, Dan you Harmon... Could have made your own... Dan Harmon is doing a cartoon about Greek gods. <laughs> I'm sure he is, and he won't do it well, because he's not, he's not talented. But, you know, it, it's going to be the next Solar Opposites. It's a real shame, because, I mean... I. Again, same thing happened with Disney's Hercules. Worst adaptation of Greek mythology ever. But there are some good ones out there. There's um, Jason and the Argonauts, obviously a classic. You got the you got you got the nice stop motion skeleton army. You got uh, gosh, there's a lot. There's a lot of good ones. There's the adaptation of the Odyssey from the '90s with uh, Ron Assange. That one's pretty good. It's pr it's a pretty faithful adaptation of the story. You got. Uh, there, there's a lot of good ones. Jason the Argonauts, mainly. Um, oh yeah, there's there's the Hercules with the uh, the same guy who plays Incredible Hulk. There's there's multiple Hercules movies. So again, I don't need to watch Dan Harmon's Greek mythology cartoon because he will botch it. And there have been similarly trash adaptations of Greek mythology. I'm not saying yeah. that any adaptation Even of I Greek mythology will be good. To to adapt an established mythology, you have to actually have talent. Um, and that's why something like Percy Jackson will always remain, like, not good. It's just Harry Potter, but with Greek mythology. Um, it, it's horrible. But, you know, there, there's good adaptations of Greek mythology out there, and uh, Dan Harmon's won't be one of them. But... I actually do think it looks pretty crappy. I'm probably not going to enjoy it. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I, th I think, you know, you, you can, with Greek mythology, there's so much, there's so much room for, like, character development, because there's so many interesting characters with, with so many moral complexities, like Odysseus, for instance. He, he's a huge misogynist, and, and, and he sacks and pillages entire cities because he's, you know, he's a flawed hero. Bible has not no characters like that. There, there's not one like Odysseus or, or like Hercules or, or like that. No characters with flaws. You're either with God or you're against God. That's that's the dichotomy that the Bible draws. If you well, look back at the town, you're going to get turned into a pillar of salt. It doesn't matter. Well, in the Old Testament, it, in the Old Testament, God and Satan right, team up new, to test Job. Right, but the, but the but the New Testament holds on the Old Testament, and Jesus adheres to the Old Testament, so I'm going to assume they're in the same canon. That, that's oh, the assumption any sane person would draw. Jesus yeah, but is it's... Jewish, he, he ascribes to the Torah, so I'm going to assume that they're in the same, in the same boat. Jesus yeah, says we shouldn't cool. sacrifice people anymore, but that doesn't mean that God didn't do any of the same messed up shit he did in the Old Testament. That's still, that's still an established fact. Well, I'm says, saying the characters, characters evolved. Like uh, in the Old Testament times, Satan wasn't this uh, generic just embodiment of evil. He was he had uh, different attributes that the Jewish people gave him. Then Christians, then he became just uh, he's the enemy of mankind and God. That's how the character evolved in the story. I think Dante's. Portrayal of Satan and Hell is actually the most interesting portrayal of Hell that's ever been given. I don't think the Divine Comedy is that great or anything, but 
it 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 gives it the most detailed depiction of the Christian afterlife anyone is ever going to get because the Bible, of course, is really vague about it. Um, Dante says, "Here's so and so. Here's where the, these type sinners go. Here's where these type sinners go." Um, but like, still, it's not the the greatest book or, or anything. I wouldn't even put in my top ten. And like. The, the Wikipedia page says it's the first book ever to acknowledge that people lived at different times and, like, historical figures um, exist in, in different periods, which is complete bullshit. The Greeks, the Greeks referred to past Greeks in past tense and said, like, Aristotle was so-and-so, or Socrates said so-and-so, um... That that's a ridiculous claim. The Divine Comedy did not revolutionize literature or anything by just going, "Well, here's Virgil. He's in the past. He he's he's from the past." Like that's ridiculous. The Greeks did that first. I think I think Greek mythology is just overall a, a more well developed mythology, and it is uh, pretty much the 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 core mythology of of Europe. I mean, and it's much better. Christianity is is not originally European, you know. So, I just think Greek mythology is better, um, and pe more people should should make cartoons about that. Not Dan Harmon, because he's not he's a <laughs> hack. But I think making a cartoon about Satan um, in 2021 is about as trite as you can get. It's a it's 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 there's nothing to it. It it's a ridiculous. Like to assume that well, the, the only the only thing I understand because I'm an American is hell. That is just that, that's absurd. Even if it was, you need to I make more cartoons about more stuff so Americans will be exposed to more stuff because there's so many more interesting mythologies out there. I was raised in Christian in Christian culture, so I like seeing interpretations well, that's, that's of great. mythology. That's great for you, but as it as an atheist. I give no credence to any of these over any other unless they're really good stories, like Jason the Argonauts. Great story. Well, not everything has really to written. appeal to you personally. Well, yes, that, but I'm... I, 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 I go with stories based on their objective merit as a, as a well-written story or poorly written story. And as an atheist, I view Christianity under the same lens I do Sumerian stuff, Chinese stuff, Indian stuff, any kind of thing, I see, I see it as all the same umbrella. Made-up stories that people made up, and that's fine. But some are going to be better than others, the same way any story will be better than another story. Of course, if, if you're raised under Christianity, and you're like, oh my gosh, you can't talk about hell, that's forbidden. Then if the cartoon comes along about hell, you'd be like, oh my gosh, it's a thing I wasn't supposed to know about. This is crazy. In, in that regard, I'd say Vivzy Pop is like a marketing genius. She can she can really draw in all these bitter ex Christians who are like, man, I'm so edgy because I watch a cartoon about the bad place instead of a good place. Jesus must really hate me right now. <laughs> As an atheist. Um, I don't care either way, and I don't care about Satan because he's not real, and I don't care about Jesus or God because they're not real, and I just look at this story and go, 
whoever wrote this did not have all their all their beans in one basket. They didn't so have a full login into, when they wrote this. This goes into your criticism. Not a good story. This goes into your criticisms of things like The Office. You don't like things that aren't relatable. They have to be universally funny, even if it doesn't relate to you personally. They don't need to be relatable. Like, for instance, if I if I see a cartoon that's about a really cool mythology that I know next to nothing about, like, say, Aboriginal mythology, um, but it's really well animated and the story is cool, which I'm sure Aboriginal stories are, and even though I don't relate to it because I'm not Australian and I've never been there... Um, I'll enjoy it because it'll be entertaining and interesting. Nothing has to be relatable. Like, I understand that some people enjoy The Office because they work in an office. I just don't think the writing is good. I don't think the actors are good. I think the premise is played out, sure. But at the end of the day, I, I do judge The Office and the Bible the same way as stories. And if it's not entertaining, I don't care. There are better ways to offend Christians, like you could make a rap song about feeding Jesus a bowl of shit. And that would offend Christians a lot more than something about hell, because you attack them from an angle they haven't really seen before, like not saying uh, hell, you know, because they, 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 they already buy into that. But if you say like, hey, what if I electrocute Jesus in the electric chair? That'd offend Christians, because they don't, they don't have any frame of reference for that. No. Because in their head, you know, Jesus is like this godly being. So if you say, hey, what if I dress Jesus up in a clown costume and feed him dog food? And then you're offending Christians, because they don't they don't get that. And again, I, I don't think you have the best takes on things, because like you say Stephen King's theology with the turtle and the deadlights is analogous to Christianity. That's just, this is really is a slap in your face what? like Stephen King. Wow. literally I, Okay, because the turtle like, is supposed to represent God, you know, in reference to the old turtles all the way down, and the deadlights. That's is, a modern term. Turtles all like, the way down is a thing that pseudo intellectuals invented in the modern age. No, nobody, nobody actually thinks that that there's a turtle under the earth. It's, it's analogous, though. Stephen King's writing: God is supposed to be the uncaused first cause, the turtle at the bottom, the turtle and like Hindu. The mythology. turtle isn't that. The turtle yes, isn't that. Is. The Dark Tower is is the no. The Dark Tower is the end and beginning of reality in the Stephen King theology. Well, not all Stephen King stories it's are. The... Mm. No, it's supposed to right, be. Right, but they all take. They all do. Like I think with it and his earlier work, like. Salem's Lot and stuff, he has this dichotomy between the turtle and the deadlights. It's still not Christian at all. But then he expands upon it with his Dark Tower series, which is in the same theology. Like, even if... I think the Dark Tower isn't the best developed theology or anything, but it is still meant to be in the same universe as the turtle and the deadlights, which are part of this grand thing. Um, the the turtle isn't the beginning or end of anything. He's only one deity among within this deities. story. They're supposed to be analogous to God and Satan going to war with each other. The deadlights is in reference to Lucifer, which means light. But, but it doesn't. But Pennywise doesn't go to war with the turtle. That's not how he gets he, to Earth. He goes to Earth to eat because he's yeah, hungry. He's, ba he's banished to Earth. The turtle banishes him. But he's and, not. The rest of the deadlights are still up in deadlight land, and the turtle has really no control over what they do. All he can do is help build in bro 
defeat this one deadlight. There's still other deadlights like the Crimson King and stuff. But it is supposed to be Lucifer. He goes to Earth. But he's then... not. He's he's not in hell. He's just on Earth. And also he's an alien. He's he's not a he's not a deity. He's just an alien. Well, the reason Stephen King The reason Stephen King chooses a turtle isn't because he he has this turtles all the way down mindset or he's read Terry Pratchett's Discworld or like this is before turtles all the way down. He just sees a can of turtle wax and he's like Hey, I can make I can make this floating space turtle. That'd be pretty cool. He does it because it's random, and I think that's what sets his theology apart from something like you think he just did it random. He think he just did it because he puts uh, Charlie the Choo Choo in there. He puts Charlie the Choo Choo in there. Very random shit. He's clearly not trying to be like serious about. It. He puts a fucking turtle in space, but that's why his was... theology is so appealing because it's not heavy handed. He's just like, hey, you know turtle in space and also there's aliens and they can shapeshift into clowns Heck, anything goes that's why his his universe is fun and the christian one isn't because he's a better storyteller than the people who wrote the bible but like how how is how is pennywise cast out by the turtle i don't think the turtle says that that's the case once like the turtle's like yeah, I don't really approve approve of this alien clown eating people on Earth, but there's nothing I can do about it. I'm just a space turtle. Well, he empowers the losers club. Well, he's not omnipotent. The turtle isn't omnipotent. I'd say he was exactly like God and the devil. I'm saying that there's allegory there. I would say that if you view the entire world through a Christian lens, which is just purely good and evil then maybe when you read an original story that Stephen King made up on his own, then maybe you might be like, well, this must be like the Bible, because the Bible's the only thing I know about. But Stephen King has an imagination, and if you have a really good imagination, then you can come up with your own world. Now, I'm not saying The Dark Tower is like the best, most well-imagined thing out there. I, I'd say it's very ridiculous to have all these cowboy people and stuff the Wizard of Oz in there too, and you got the you know, the robots and shit, but it's supposed to be fun, because Stephen King's goal is to entertain the reader, not to indoctrinate them and make them feel bad for not siding with the turtle, you know, because he's, he's not a religious nut. You know, so like, that's why his theology is fun and cool and has shit like robots and stuff. And the Bible doesn't have that. Like, like, how's Pennywise even remotely close to like Satan? He's just, he's just an alien clown that eats people. Like, I think Stephen King just went with that again because it's equally random. Like, he goes with a turtle because he sees a kind of turtle wax one time. He's like, hey, I can make that into into a space alien. And then he sees like a clown or something. He's like. Hey, clowns are pretty random. I can make that into into a, a an evil space alien. You know, that's all. No, there's there's actually a purpose for why it's a clown. Uh, it is supposed to the story is supposed to represent how your childhood fears never leave you. You're either scared of things like clown or paint. It's not about that. It's about how it's about how there's an alien clown and he eats people. And he's again, scared. it's allegory. It's, Pennywise is not an allegory. He's a physical yes. presence that actually exists. Now, the story that oh it's not it's not a metaphor stephen king does not he, he doesn't go into metaphors that's why his writing 
differentiates itself from something like Terry Pratchett's Discworld, where everything is an allegory. In Terry Pratchett's Discworld, everything in Discworld is just a metaphor for something that's in the real world, because Terry Pratchett doesn't have an imagination. But Stephen King has a cool imagination, so he's like, I'm going to make a demon clown that eats people and can shapeshift into mummies and werewolves and shit, too. Because why not? It turns into a creature from Black Lagoon at one point just because Stephen King's like, this is an entertaining scene. I'm going to write it in. He's an absolute mad lad, and he has the kind of distinction that horror writers should have that I think a lot of horror writers today don't have. I think that's one of the reasons his... You make fun of the rabbit and Donnie perpetuate themselves... I'd say because I'd say because Donnie Darko is a movie, and you only have two hours to relate to this rabbit character, and it is like a book. I mean, I've read the book, and Pennywise is How one is of the most well because for one, Pennywise is fun because he he has like a personality, and also he can talk. You know, which which is which is good for a monster like Chucky or Freddy Krueger whenever the monster can talk and communicate with the protagonist um but when it's like a when it's like a rabbit guy and he's just in a he just communicates in these like big half truths and then there's a big twist about who the rabbit was all along i think that's a lot of pretentious bullshit and you know i mean the main difference between the rabbit and pennywise is that the rabbit tries to set up this big mystery oh my gosh who's in the bunny costume oh my gosh but Pennywise from the outset is like, this is a demon clown. He eats people. And that's more scary because you can be, you're more scared of Pennywise because you know what he is. Stephen King understands a lot of how, how to get inside someone's head and make someone really scared of something. That's one of the reasons why he's still one of the most revered horror authors out there because he, he really knows how to, how to like get at you with like this very literal stuff. There's no metaphors in his stuff. Tommyknockers are aliens. Christine is a car that kills people. Pennywise is a clown that eats people. Carrie's a girl that blows shit up with her head. It's all spooky, but none of it's a pretentious metaphor like, this bunny guy is Donnie Darko's guilt, and there's time travel too. You know, that, that's, not, that's not entertaining. Um, Stephen King is just good because he just lays it online. These are things. They happen. They're here. Here's how the characters deal with it. Basic stuff. That's why his books are like leagues above all the other horror stuff. Because he, he just says, here's a fun premise. Let's go wild with it. A classic horror. Cla- classic formula. Anyway, it's think- four minutes till I ask the trivia questions. So I just figured really quick we'd play the part uh, where you name something that you think H.P. Lovecraft invented. And I give you an Edgar Allan Poe story where, where, he, uh, where he did it first, because everything in Lovecraft stories is just a regurgitation of something in Edgar Allan Poe story. Because you say you haven't even read Reanimator, so I assume you haven't even read any of Lovecraft stuff. I, I did read a lot of Lovecraft stuff, and it's not good, but... Give uh, me something Lovecraft came up with, supposedly, that pioneered the genre or whatever. Um... Well, then he starts. Something I, I know, and he combines science fiction and and uh, horror and these, you know, cosmic entities that control man's fate and the existential dread of living in a universe that is just insig- where mankind is just insignificant. 
but I mean, Ned, like, I think, I think Edgar, I think the thing about Lovecraft is that scares him because he's a backwards troglodyte who's been probably raised on Christianity and thought that mankind is the best and the biggest. And then when he finds out that, no, we're just an infinitesimal speck in, in the middle of nothing, that really scares the shit out of him. But uh, as an atheist who accepts that that's just how things are, and if Cthulhu is out there, then so be it. Um, it doesn't scare me. But I'd say, in terms of that, I, th I think Mask of the Red Death is a great example of that. It's about how humanity is insignificant, and there's and there's forces beyond our control that 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 uh you know that um, control what happens to us in, in a much more defined way than Cthulhu does. I, I think uh, Edgar Allan Poe makes a way scarier, way scarier deity than Cthulhu. Because Cthulhu is just a, a garbled mess of letters that H.P. Lovecraft came up with. He was probably out of his gourd. Which isn't to say he was ever insane or on drugs or anything. That's exclusively Edgar Allan Poe. But, um, I mean, what's so scary about being insignificant? Like... Who cares, you know? At the end of the day, if that's how the universe is, then why does it matter? What's so scary about it? But you don't think there's any existential dread in the idea that that you don't have control of your life, your existence, there's no... If you've been raised control. thinking that God controls everything and your magic sky no. daddy's there to protect you, then Religions come around maybe because it is scary. Religions come about because, because people, people have primal have fears. Those people things. had primal fears in caveman times, but it's the 21st century now. It was the 20th century when Lovecraft was writing, and everyone in his time knew that the universe was a giant mass of nothing. So I think he just can't accept that. So he's like, oh my gosh, I'm not the center of the universe anymore. What Cthulhu is, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, my, my day is ruined. You, f Oh, damn it, science, oh no. And if you think I'm anti-science, read some of Lovecraft shit. He's the most anti-science guy who ever frickin' lived. He thinks every scientific discovery will make you crazy, because you just won't be able to handle it. He's a little baby. I'm trying to make the point I mean, that there's religions, religions come around because people have these fears of questions of death. About uh, religions meaning. only really come around because there are empires that want to control the people below them, and the best way to do that is to say, follow me, they, or a torment. No, that's how a lot of religions go on. Uh, that's, that's how they originate. That's why they... Oh, that's w why they originate. You don't need to make up stories about your magic sky, Daddy. If you do, they can be entertaining like the Greeks had them, but... The Greeks didn't use them to control each other, you know, which is the difference between it and Christianity. But I think, overall, I mean, even cavemen weren't as scared of just that they were small and the night sky was big. They could probably handle it. They didn't have the concept. They, they didn't have... No, they knew that the stars were big and they were little, but it didn't bother them because they didn't have to control anyone. They didn't have a society going on yet. So it's not a primal fear. No animal is just, like, intrinsically scared of how big the universe is. That, that's a human thing. That's a self-centered thing. That's a narcissistic thing. You have to have an ego to be scared of how small you are in the grand scheme of things. That's, that's, a, that's an exclusively human fear. It's not a primal fear, because to be a primal fear right, has to relate somehow okay, it's to a your, human fear, your then. you know, desire to... 
has to, it has to, to be a primal fear, it has to be, you know, something about you surviving. Like, like werewolves are primal fear, because the idea of a, a terrestrial threat, like a big scary wolf animal coming out of the shadows and killing you, that's scary, because it's an immediate danger. If there's an octopus god 85,000 light years away, how's that scary? Like, it's just, it's just how things are. You know, it's just an octopus god 85,000 miles away. And he's so, he's so big that he doesn't even care. Like, wh why, why should I care if he doesn't care? If nobody cares? Like, I don't, I don't care if the universe is ran by multi-eyed Shoggoths or Yogg-Sothoths or Neurolithoteps. They do them. I'm just on Earth, you know? It's like... Once you ascribe to atheism, it becomes a whole different ballgame, I, I get this, but um, there's nothing scary about being in insignificant. Humanity needs to accept sooner or later that it just is, and that it can't control all of the universe. That's an impossible feat. Even Cthulhu probably doesn't control all the universe. Um, cosmic horror isn't a real genre. It's just a really bad mesh of sci-fi and horror, because H.P. Lovecraft didn't understand what made either of those two genres appealing. And something like The Thing, which gets brought up all the time as an example of cosmic horror, isn't cosmic horror. It's not about Cthulhu, it's just about, oh, there's one alien, it's a scary alien, sure. It's not, it's not a, it's, no, it's not racist. Like, it's just sci-fi, it's just a really good sci-fi movie. I think John Carpenter's way better at making stuff than H.P. Lovecraft ever was, but... I mean, just to, just to insinuate that the thing was influenced in any way by Lovecraft, that's an insult to it. It was actually a remake of, of a 50s movie, but... You know. Anywho. I, I don't think H.P. Lovecraft left an impact on literature in any way. Like, he, he's just a weird erotic racist and all his stories are about oh my gosh i'm a white guy i can't accept that there are all these fish people around oh my gosh uh, that's all i see with it like shadow of rinsmith h bomber guy has a video where he makes the argument that it's about homosexuality and that the the main character the white straight character insert lovecraft makes up is actually uh, meant to be like, oh, uh, he's a he's a gay guy and he's under oppression by all these fish people, but actually it's the opposite. The main character is coming to this fish person town and mocking their religion and shitting on them because he's a, he's a white Christian, and he's like, oh no, you disgust me, you stinking fish people, you're sick. And then when he finally realizes at the end of the story that he's genetically related to these fish people and he has some fish lineage in him. He's like, oh no, I'm not a pure white Christian boy. So I think, I think you'll understand the shadow of Rinsmith a lot more if you replace every mention of fish person in the story with like Jewish or black. And, you know, then you understand what the story is actually about. It's, it's Lovecraft whining about how, you know, maybe, maybe he realized he, he had some African ancestors or something. He's like, Oh no, they worship fish people, didn't they? Oh my gosh. I need Jesus. That's what Lovecraft stories are like. 
a, a really good horror story will actually like explore the um you know the unknown. Lovecraft can't do that because he's scared of the unknown, and he's just like it makes you crazy, and you're so scared of it. It makes you feel insecure because you realize you're not the center of the world. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, like that—that's just a really weak way to to do horror. You know, because horror is about not knowing something, and then over the course of the story, you start to understand it. And um, by the by the time you finish a Cthulhu story, you don't understand Cthulhu's motivations or what his deal is any more than you did when you started. The only difference is that now all the main characters are insane because. Lovecraft doesn't understand that sometimes when you see things like that, you're, you just experience, like, a, a normal level of fear, you know? So he's like, if you see Cthulhu, you'll go crazy. Um, he just doesn't know how to how to write a scary story. Like, over, over the course of it, going back to Stephen King, you'll learn all about Pennywise. That doesn't make him any less scary. In fact, it makes him more scary because he feels like more of an immediate threat. The more you know about him and learn about where he comes from what his whole deal is but you'll learn nothing about cthulhu nothing next to nothing i don't know anything about dagon after reading the dagon story because the whole thing is written from the perspective of a fish uh, of not not the fish god this white guy who just happens to see the fish god once and go oh my gosh it's a fish god oh my gosh it's a it's a big fish man i can't handle this i need jesus um, so, you know, I mean, that's not that, that's not the most interesting horror horror story there. What are your thoughts on that? No, I'm just waiting for the clock to run out. <laughs> oh, yeah, trivia question. Okay, it'll go till 5.07. You have 10 minutes to answer. And this time around, if you win, you get a free copy of Veterans Day Revenge's Suite because you seem to have some kind of misconception about being a racist comic to give you the opportunity to get a free free copy of it and read it the whole way through. And the question is this. A free copy of Veterans Day Revenge Suite and you have it till 5.07. We're going a little over time. Uh, what's the name of the alcoholic beverage that Bob endorses in College Buddies 5? That's the question. And uh, you can answer also, Mini Gus, if you think you know this one. In, in voice chat or whichever um what's the name what's the name of the alcoholic beverage bob endorses in college buddies five i have unlimited guesses during the you have unlimited guesses until 507 The name of the alcoholic beverage Bob endorses in College Buddies 5 during the College Buddies Super Bowl commercial reel. During that little sequence there. Is it tequila? Uh, yes, but the, the, name of, the name of the tequila. Pacific tequila, holy shit. Uh... Yeah, the, no, the shot in the dark. I was gonna say beer. Uh, no, not beer. Is it a brand or just a general type? Uh, no, this isn't twenty-one questions. Never mind. <laughs> there are a lot oh. of sorts of uh, tequila. 
one of the most diverse uh, diverse alcohols. There's, there's uh, aqua velvet and, and agave and lots lots of varieties. But during the College Buddies Super Bowl commercial reel, where um, they're they're doing commercials for the Broncos, uh, endorsing things. What's the what's the type of tequila that Bob endorses? Bob's in a commercial for it. About eight minutes left. Eight minutes on the clock. Feel free to chime in, many guys. Free comic. Maybe he already has a copy of Veterans Day. I don't know. Veterans Day is a darn good comic. Really excellent. Uh, Let's see. Duh. Give me a moment. Tequila brands. You can also use the uh, Nicholas Comics Wiki as a resource. It's a pretty, pretty complete resource. I, I don't know whether there's an answer on there usually when I ask these trivia questions, but it's been proven as a reliable resource in the past, depending on how, how updated it is, of course. Yet is another it, reason is it, to... Is it Don Julio? No. Hmm. Keeping in mind that oh, most wow. most tequila... Most tequila is a, you know, can type because uh, it's from, from agave, so a lot of Porto, agave um, is down there. Portaliza, Portaliza, I pronounce it. No, as incorrect, not Portaliza or Portaliza. As amigos. I assume it. I assume it's pronounced Portal Portaliza. Doris is a specific brand of tequila, and he, he he's really enthusiastic about it. Uh, obviously, all, all the college buddies are partial to their alcohol. Um, Doris is a specific sort of alcohol. Or tequila. Let's see. Um... Tequila. Five oh two, two five minutes left. What's the what's the type of tequila that Bob endorses in College Buddies Five? Final installment of the College Buddies series, dealing with their dealing with their further career as members of the Broncos and uh, and their their multiple controversies during the Super Bowl reel segment. What is the tequila Bob endorses? Is it what is, L the, what is the sort? No, it's not. But Corlejo. No. There's a clue. Uh, during the during the part in question, Bob says, this might jog your memory, he says, when it is time for me to be a drunkard and produce a defecation in my trousers, I chooses blank tequila. A smooth, rich blend of poison allows me to party hearty. Yum, yum. 
That's that's the bit in question. You guys would be confused with any other any other sequence in uh, College Buddies Five. That's the that's the deal of being referenced. What what brand of Keeland is Bob endorsing? College Buddies Five for a free copy of Veterans Day or Vinge's Sweet. What what brand tequila does Bob endorse in College Buddies Five? There are a lot of there are a lot of varieties of tequila out there, and of course it's from the from the uh, agave. So mostly the regions, the biggest producers of tequila. Tequila, Evan Doris is in College Buddies Five. Wow, some of these tequila bottles look like they're wearing little sombreros. That's pretty cute. Got little hats for, for the lid. Lots of varieties of tequila out there. It's a very diverse, diverse uh, liquor. Is it that brand where they have the commercials, the people on the beach? Uh, there are a lot of alcoholic beverages which utilize a beach imagery. Um, I think mostly beer, but there's some margaritas that do that. Uh, I don't know if tequila really does that much. Probably a, a few tequila commercials. But there, there are a lot of alcohol commercials with uh, people on a beach. That's a practically a cliche at this point. Brand no, tequila that Bob endorses in College Buddies 5. Another reason to read Nicholas Comics, because you can win more free comics. T1 tequila. No, it is not T1 oh, tequila. Yeah. Not T1. There are a lot of different types of tequilas. Is it a Zunia? Lots, lots of different varieties. No, it's not. It's not a Zunia. Zunia. One Sorry. minute left. It's not. It's not that. It's not. Not those. Lots of types. Lots Grand of types of tequila. Is it Grand no, it's not Grand Mayan. No. Adura. Only a few seconds left. Nope, not Grand Maduro. Casanova. No. Casazul. No. Capatron. No. No. Nah, fuck it, I don't know. <laughs> Only a few seconds left for that free copy of Veterans Day Revenge Suite. What is the tequila Bob endorses in College Buddies 5? Fifteen more seconds on the clock. Ah, time is up. The answer was Mellow Tequila. At any rate, it's been very interesting hearing from you on, on Has Been Hotel and, uh, oh yeah, Veterans Day and, of course, Lovecraft. Um, I don't seem to really pick up on subtext much, but fascinating discussion nonetheless. Nice to have, nice to have you on. Um, at any rate, uh, look forward to 
next week's Q&A right before Halloween on the 30th. Uh, and uh, that's about it for this week. Any, anything you'd, you'd like to add in the end here? Uh, I guess I'll just say thank you for having me on. All right. Interesting. Inter- very interesting viewpoints you have about about stuff. It's wild. I mean, just about has been hotel. It's crazy. Uh, but it is topical. It is October. Demons and whatnot. Um, but luckily, Halloween isn't all demons because there are more interesting monsters out there. And um, like Pennywise. Pennywise is great. Great flipping. You know, Again, all you listeners out there, if you haven't read it, it's a good book. Excellent. Excellent stuff. Read it. It's Stephen King's best work. At any rate, that, that'll be the end of this week's uh, Q&A. And uh, some interesting questions, some interesting topics. Uh, uh, yeah, that, that'll be it. By Nicholas Comics. Spitting farts, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Do you want to be on the show? Join the Nicholas Comics Discord server today. I'll answer any questions you have. You can appear in the next episode. Do you want to buy Nicholas Comics? Right to Nicholas Kid, 1424 Columbine Street, number one, Denver, Colorado, 80206. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you. On the next episode.